Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, you have just touched down to the number one national football recruiting dog station in the world. I am your host, Dr. B, and I'm here to introduce the dynamic recruiting agency that will assist your athletes in being recruited to a beneficial college or university. Known as
college entrance tests and scores. NCA requirements. You become a prospect student athlete when you enter into the ninth grade of classes. When you take your ninth grade classes, uh, that's when you become a prospect. One main thing is you definitely need to keep your options open. What note one tells you about the recruiting, football recruiting process, everybody cannot go to Florida State. Football camps, combine satellite camps, things you need to know before hitting the road. Things you need to know before you go hitting the road in regards to camps and combines, make sure that you have contacts with college coaches. Uh, I'm aware that there's a lot of satellite camps that's popping up around the country uh, day in and day out. Uh, I continue to get inquiries in regards to uh, uh, camps that's popping up in regards to uh, going to this camp, going to that camp. Be very careful before you go to these camps. Make sure that you have strong contacts with college coaches uh, because nine times out of ten, which we get down a little bit more further, in our presentation in regards to college coaches already have the list of prospects they want to see and evaluate. What no one tells you, what no one tells you is just what I just said. College coaches already have a list of student athletes that they want to evaluate. Uh, they're not looking for pretty much uh, as the business name, not looking for a diamond in the rough at the camps. Yes, they will invite you to camp, but just be very careful when you go to these camps. And parents and student athletes, when you go to these camps, be very careful who you're talking to. One thing I always tell parents, network with everyone that you see there, because it's highly, impart, uh, highly important uh, to network with parents, other parents, uh, coaches, um, people you're seeing at the concession stand. Just open up a conversation because you never know what they may be looking for. It could be a college coach that you're talking to. They may be looking for a running back or a linebacker, and your son may fit the bill. So be very proactive in, re in regards to your son recruiting. Here are some of the lies that the recruits tell during the recruiting process. First of all, they make up scholarship offers. Make yourself taller and faster or better than you are. Lying about what other recruits are doing. This one here is one of my pet peeve. Coaches will find me if I'm good enough. I can do whatever I want to do on social media. That is so far from the truth. Be very careful what you're posting on social media. Not only for playing sports, but uh, after four years or five years of uh, being in college, your social media can follow you the rest of your life. So be very careful what you're posting on social media. Academics, academics, academics. The NCAA recently adopted a new freshman eligibility requirements for those college-bound student athletes to be graduating from the class of 2016. These changes only apply to Division I schools. Some of the changes include two new sliding scales and several levels of eligibility. I will outline these changes. I highly recommend that you begin to prepare yourself with new requirements and educate your family and your athletic community. That means your pot warner, uh, the kids that's going to be in middle school, uh, you want to educate them before they get to high school in regards to all the changes. 2016 is already here, and the ratification of not having the proper procedure in place could be embarrassing to you and your school and your school district. Starting in 2016, you must graduate from high school. Core courses requirements, 14 core classes for Division II changes to 16. 16 core classes for Division I and three years of eligible or higher. New sliding scale for initial eligibility, core grade point average, not all over, not your all over GPA, your core point average from and SAT and ACT scores. You need to begin to register once you are a freshman for the NCAA Eligibility Center. Um, some of the uh, 
GPA for core GPA. I'm just going to give you a couple examples. I won't go line by line. If you have a 4.0 core GPA, you only need a 400 in order to qualify. If you have a core 3.9, you need a minimum of 4.40. 3.0, you need a 4.8. 3.70, you need a 520, minimum test scores. 3.6, 5.60. 3.50, you need a 600. A 3.40, you need a 640. A 3.30, you need a 680. A 3.20, you need a 720. 3.10, core GPA. All these are core, not overall. All this is core GPA, what you need. A 3.0, you need a minimum of an 800. A 2.90, core GPA, you need an 840. A 2.80, you need an 880. A 2.70, you need a 920. A 2.60, a 2.50, 1000. A 2.4, you need a 1040. And the minimum core GPA to play Division I football, you need a minimum. It raised from a 2.0, now it's 2.3 core GPA. You need a minimum of a 1080 on the SAT. I know I gave you a lot of numbers. Um, we can go over the numbers later if you have questions. In Some of the new changes in regards to the freshman eligibility requirements. There are three possibilities for academic outcome. First, you could be a full qualified. Full qualified, what that means, you have a scholarship, you can practice the first year and compete. Academic redshirt. That means that you're on scholarship the first year, you practice the first semester. You cannot compete. You practice the first semester or quarter. Then, number three, no scholarship, no practice, no competition for the first year. That is a non-qualifier. Eligibility requirements. Summary, summary of changes of full qualifier. Of the 10 core classes completed, seven must be completed in the area of English, math, or science. Let me repeat that. Of the 10 core classes complete, uh, completed, seven must be in the area of English, math, or science. These core classes become locked in for the purpose of the core GPA calculation. Very important. You must have seven out of the 10 core classes completed before you start your senior year in high school. A repeat of one of the lock-in courses will not be used in taking after the year or seventh semester begins. That's very important that if you, like most freshmen do, you mess up your freshman year, you must have your grade forgiveness or repeat classes completed prior to your senior year. Division I academic redshirt guidelines for scholarship and practice. If your college-bound student athlete meets all the four qualifier requirements but only meets the academic redshirt sliding scale, he can receive the athletic scholarship during his first year at the Division I college or university and can practice his first term or first semester or first quarter, but cannot complete, compete in the games. I said that earlier. After the first semester or quarter is completed, in order to continue to practice the rest of the year, the student must be academically successful at the college level. And I don't even know why I'm reading this from here, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Nine qualified status. If your college-bound student athlete does not meet neither the set requirements, he's become a non-qualifier. A non-qualifier cannot receive a scholarship during the first year at a Division I school or college, cannot practice, cannot compete during the first year at the Division I college. In other words, you get a student. You're not a student athlete.
Now, here's a summary of uh, everything that I guess went over. Just a recap. Minimum core course must be minimum GPA core classes. Minimum GPA is 2.30. There's a change in the GPA testing score. It went up 180 points, and it went from a 2.0 to a 2.3 minimum. Ten core classes in either English, math, or natural science are required to be completed prior to your senior year. Seven out of the ten must be completed. Now, student athletes that's going in AIA requirements, the requirements are a lot different. A minimum score of 18 on the ACT or 860 on the SAT. An overall high school GPA of 2.0 or higher on a scale of 4.0. Or graduate in the upper half of the student high school graduation class. 50% or higher. You must meet two out of the three of above to, uh, to play in, in AIA requirements. Football by the numbers. There's approximately 1.2 million student athletes playing high school football. 2 million. I'm just rounding it off. The amount that goes to college from that 1.2 million is reduced down to approximately 90,000 student athletes that plays college football from high school to college. What a big difference. Only 8% would compete in college. Now, football by the numbers. For all you student athletes out there and parents, NCA Division One. There's 126 schools. Each school get 85 scholarships. The average athletic aid is $17,000. That's across the board. I know it's varied from institution to institution, but that's the average. When I say athletic aid, this is average, not exact. FCS or Lower Division One. There's 126 schools. They only allow to offer 63 scholarships per institution or college. The average A is $10,000. Division two, there's 163 Division two schools. They only give out 36 scholarships. The aid that they provide is almost $5,000. Division three, there's 240 Division two schools. They don't pass out scholarships. They have ways of uh, funding their students, which we'll get into. NAIA, there are 79 schools. They have 12 scholarships. And the average aid that each student athlete possibly could receive is around $6,500. Now, fourth, height, weight, 40 time bench and squat. Let me go position by position on this here. Let's start out with quarterbacks. For FBS Division One, the average height across the board is 6'4. The average height for LCS Lower Division One is 6'2. The average height for Division Two, or NAIA, is six foot, and for Division Three, five ten. Average weight for FBS Division One quarterbacks: average weight is two twenty, FCS is two hundred, Division Two, NAIA two hundred, and Division Three one eighty. Forty time. Four five for Division One, four six for Lower Division One, four seven for D two, and four eight for Division three. Quarterbacks, did you guess hear that? Six four is the average height for 
major Division I football. What do the Division I coaches look for in a quarterback? I'm glad you asked that question. Must be able to throw the ball on a deep out, come back, dig, and a seam route with no loss. Should be able to throw the ball through a goal post from the opposite 40-yard line. Proficient ability to throw, throw to receiver. To open receivers and execute the back shoulder throw. Has to demonstrate a quarterback ability multiple years at a All-American or All-State level. Now, on to running backs. For FBS, I'm going to go down there completely, and then uh, we'll go to the FCS, D2, NIA, and D3. For FBS, running backs. The average height is 6 foot. Average weight is 210. 40 is 44. Bench is 280. Squat is 390. FCS, 511. Weight 195. 45, 270. Bench, squat 375. D2. We're looking for 510. 175, 46 or better, 265 bench. These are max bench for, uh, at max bench. Squat 350. For Division Three, 59, 160, 47, 260, 340. Remember, that is average. I'm not saying exact, but this is what college coaches are looking for. What are they looking for in a running back for Division I athletes? Runs with both power and speed and balance and can pull away from a 4-5-40 defender. Must have exceptional lower and upper body strength, can catch the ball well out of the backfield, and provide pass protection, and has demonstrated a running back ability for multiple years at a American all-state level. Now, we're moving over to the wide receivers. Once again, these are averages. For Division One, Major Division One, they're looking for an average of 6'2", 190, 4'4", 235, 315, squat. FCS, 6'5", 175, 4'6", 225, squat. 295. B2 NAIA 510, 165, 46, 205, College coaches look for in a wide receiver for a Division I student athlete. Must be consistent. A must be a consistent threat at any time he's on the field. Must have an instinct to release off the line of scrimmage with low pad level, little wasted movement, a burst into a route, a one-step cut, impeachable catching ability, and the ability to separate itself from the defenders with rare top-end speed and elusiveness. A ball as easy as post, a slant, or a hitch. He must be comfortable running all routes, possessing rare ball skills, have a great combination of speed and size, and willingness to block. He must be an all-star player or an All-American for Division One. Now, one of my coaches has always told me this here. This position, he said, tight ends are always open. All right. Four tight ends. 
Division one, major division one. Average height is six four. Average weight two thirty. Forty time four seven. Bench three hundred. Squat four forty. FCS. Lower division one. Average height three. Two twenty. Forty four point eight. Bench two five. Squat four twenty. Division two in a I A. 6'2", 215, 485, squat, 415, bench 275. NCAA Division 3, 6'1", 205, 49, bench 270. Squat, 405. What do college coaches, major Division 1 college coaches look for in a tight end have a great combination of size and speed must change the line of scrimmage at the point of attack soft hands needs to be able to stretch the field vertically demonstrate explosion uh, exposure explosion physically can find the open wonder in a zone and separate itself from man coverage shows the ability to break tackles and gain yards out the contact he also must be an all-state player and a all-American. Now we're going to get into the trenches. For all you guys out there that play on the offensive line and you wonder why you're not being recruited, here's some of the reasons why. Under Division One, the average height for offensive linemen is 6'1 for Division One football. I mean 6'5. For FBS, five weight 280, 40 yard 50, bench 320, squat 450. Lower Division one 5.2, bench 305, squat 425. D2 NAIA 61, 260. 5.3, 300, squat, 410. Division three, six, six foot flat, I mean six foot, 235, 5.4, bench 295, squat, 405. Division one, what coaches are looking for in an offensive lineman? must be the most physical, dominant player on the field. Should move the line of scrimmage by five yards continuously and consistently. Must play with excellent pad level by demonstrating natural knee bend. Should have a diversive hand punch against pass rushers and able to lock on defenders and control them. Must be athletic enough to stay ahead of the ball carrier in open field and demonstrate their body control and blocking space. All-state caliber player for multiple years. D-line for major division one football, 6'4", 250, 4'6", 315, Squat 450. FCS 63, 230, 47, 305, 415. D2 NAIA 62, 220, 48, 305, squat 405. Division 3, 6 foot, 210, 49, 295, 395 squat. D Lyman must be have great instincts and productive against both the run and the pass at an all-star level for more than three years. Needs to show strength and leverage to dominate along the line of scrimmage as a run defender. 
should be able to win with speed, quickness, and power as a loose, as an edge rusher. This player should clearly stand out exceptionally on his play. That's a defensive lineman. Now, moving on to linebackers. Major Division One, 6'2", 220, 315 bench, 445 squat. FCS, 6'1", 210, 465, bench 300, squat 435. D2, 6 foot, 200 pounds, 4'7", 295, 405. D3, 5'10", 190, 475, I mean 4.75, bench is 275, squat 395. What college coaches look for in linebackers? Division one. Must be equally active in both the run game and in coverage. Gains ground and plays downhill with first step. Stay square without losing athleticism. Strong enough to play on the scrimmage, has explosive exposure on contact. Visible change the line, change the line of scrimmage, and knock ball carriers backwards. Display uh, fluid in the hips and good knee bend. Plays under his pass. Shows skills in both zone and man coverage. Can match up with the best athletes on the field. Burst and speed with quickness to bend the coverage and pressure games. Has to demonstrate a linebacker for multiple years at an all-state level or all-American level. Now we get into the DBs. For Division One. defensive back is six foot, Weight 185 or 546. Bench 270, squat 405. FCS, 6 foot, 185, 46. Bench 250, squat 380. Division 2, NAIA is 510, 175, 46, 250, 380. Division 3, 59. 160, 47, 240, 295. And when I'm mentioning, I should have mentioned this earlier, but in regards to the 40 times, all these times are hand time, not laser time. Division one coaches look for and DBs should be the best athlete on the field. Can flip his hips, get in and out of breaks without a false step. Physical and aggressive in the run game and against screens. To know all coverage and have quick feet. Needs to be strong in man coverage and excellent in zone coverage with, no, with knowledge and knowing his responsibilities. Also needs to be fast on the field and have range to cover sideline to sideline. Must be able to read the offense and demonstrate all state, all American for multiple years and basic knowledge in regards to position by position, what division co- the division one college coaches are looking for. Moving it right along, how do I get a football scholarship? For 99% of football players, the football scholarship process is not what you see on TV. The college recruiting process can be very unforgiving. Most football players need to work very hard in the recruiting process to get a scholarship. There's a lot of misinformation out there what you can and cannot do when you're pursuing a scholarship. How do I get a college how do I get a college football coach to see me? Football programs evaluate talents three ways. You must have a high highlight tape attend camps and combines. 
How do I get recruited for a football scholarship? The football recruiting process should start your freshman year. You need to begin identifying and contacting football coaches early and plan what camps you will be attending each summer. That is very important. What do a college coach look for? I think we just pretty much covered that. Uh, but let's go again. College coaches are looking for an athlete that would, would fit in and help their program succeed. Coaches want to keep their jobs, receive promotions, and get better jobs. Success on the field is the best way of doing this. Most often, college coaches are looking for athletes who are a difference maker. The higher the level of play, the larger the emphasis would be on measurable speed, size, and raw data. How important is a highlight tape? It is essential. Due to budget and time restraints, college coaches not able to see most prospects in person. They depend on video in order to initial evaluate a prospect they are recruiting. Sure, there are college coaches who prefer to see you in person, at games, recruiting, event, uh, recruiting events, or camps, or satellite camps, or showcases. However, even in those cases, highlight tapes are used to introduce an athlete to the coach. So in the evaluation process, they can evaluate you and get a better sense on where you're at. It is essential to have a cohesive an easable, viewable highlight tape if you're serious about college, being a college prospect. One thing I must say, you student athletes out there, please do not have your tapes on private. And please take your music off your highlight tapes. Coaches don't want to hear music at all. What are the different types of financial aid? For the overwhelming majority, the potential college athlete, uh, athletics, there's a small amount are given aid. Remember, the bottom line is price, not how much athletic scholarship money at a school gives you that is most important. There are four categories, need-based, academic, athletic, and leveraging. What if my college coach have told me not to worry about getting recruited? Then it is time to have a heart, heart talk with your coach. Exactly, just a concern that you need to focus more on what it takes to be successful in high school at a high school level. Or maybe, just maybe, just maybe they're not informed on how the recruiting process works. Or maybe, Egos just get in the way sometimes, regardless of the reason. Realize your future and your recruitment is up to you. There are many high school coaches who would do it, everything in their power to help student athletes and care about them. And then, on the other hand, there are college coaches have the like of knowledge out there. So have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with your high school coach. How do recruiting time and rules affect me? It doesn't. That's for college coaches to abide by. There's all kinds of rules that's very important in every sport and change almost every year. The deal with quiet period, evaluation periods, dead periods, contact rules, phone calls, text messages, etc. The bottom line is that these rules are for college coaches to follow. They typically do not pertain to what a student athlete can do in the recruiting process. You know, once again, when should I start the recruiting process? As soon as you realize you want to play in college. Unfortunately, you can't be too early. In fact, in recent survey, more than 65% of college coaches prefer to start targeting prospects during their sophomore year or earlier. When I first opened the show, this is one of the topics that I brought up, high variable exposure events. The answer can vary. Some events are great. Many can be a waste of money. 
A college coach usually goes to camps or showcases with a plan to see specific players to watch they already have on their list and not discover new talent. They have cross-referenced their recruit list with the roster from the event that they're attending and they have done their homework. They normally do not show up just to do random recruiting looking for athletes in in attendance. That would be very inefficient for them. If you do use like camps, clinics, exposure events, showcases, it is very important for you to do your legwork on the front end to establish a recruiting relationship with a college coach so that when they do come to these events, they are aware that you are coming and that you guys can meet and have some time together. So be very careful before you go out to these showcases, satellite camps, and events that you make sure that you have contact with your college coach or for a particular institution. How, know, how do you know if you're being serious recruited? Here's a couple of uh, things that I go over. You receive a letter from the college. College coach requests your video. College coach visits you at your school. Coaches send you a text. Coaches call you, offer you an official visit. They do a home visit, scholarship law uh, offer, and then you sign your letter of intent. If you if you find yourself in one of these categories, there could be interest in regards to your recruiting. Does it matter if college coaches already know who I am? Just because a college coach know who you are does not mean that you're going to be uh, going to ask to be a part of their program. Colleges are looking at hundreds of athletes in your area and thousands across the country. Did the colleges know about all the good players that graduated from your school last year? Did all these players get scholarships? And what kind of offers did they receive? Even if they do know of you, do they have your stats, your grades, and your highlight tapes in front of them? Are they aware that they're that you are interest that you have interest in them? Colleges come across the country knowing you. Why sell it for one and only offer you receive? There's much more to the recruiting process than name recognition. Should I complete and return all of the questionnaires I am receiving? Absolutely yes. If you have any interest in a school whatsoever, or think you might have interest in the school, send back the questionnaire. In addition, complete the questionnaire, send the coach a personal note with personal information about you and the school and explain your interest to him. If you do not return the questionnaire, the coach will move on to other student athletes that did. Don't assume that the questionnaire is just junk mail. The questionnaire is an important first step in the process to get your information in their recruiting database and express your interest in them. There is much more work ahead. Don't skip the first step. Ah, this is a good question here. I come across this question all the time. What does a camp invite mean? While some some colleges only use camps as a way to recruit athletes, most college coaches primarily use camps in order to generate revenue. They will invite players to attend. They might even call the camp an elite or invite-only camp. If you, if 300 players are invited to pay $500 for each camp, they would make $150 in just a few days. They may only have one roster spot available, but they would invite as many players as possible to generate revenue and more revenue. Camps are not all evil. 
just make sure you understand what a camp invite means and make sure you're targeting camps that make sense for you in your recruiting situation. I'm already getting contacted by college coaches, so why do I need to do anything else? Receiving contact from a college coach is a better way, is better than not receiving one at all. That does not mean that you have been recruited by a college. Some colleges will send out thousands of questionnaires each year. Essential, they are running a, um, just invite you to come to camp that are huge revenue for their program. Remember, you hear, I keep saying it over and over, be very careful. A lot of these camps is nothing but cash cows, what I call cash cows, where they invite you to come, they have one spot open, they already have the person that they're going to target that one scholarship to, so guess very, uh, very careful in regards to that. What should I look for in a college? Look for the right fit for you. A good question to ask yourself. Would I still want to go here if I was not playing football? Does the college have the academic major and social features that I'm looking for? Do you want to be fairly close to home or attend a college a distance from home? Do you want to attend a big school, a medium school, or small school? Are you willing to attend a college affiliated with religion? Those are the questions you have to ask yourself. My parents and I are planning to write several colleges to see if they're if they have interest. Will that work? That definitely better than not doing nothing at all. However, several schools are probably is not enough. The first step would be get a proper evaluation and then start a list of schools that you would like to target. I would say at least get 50 schools and, and work your way down from there. What are some of the major mistakes that student athletes and family make? Number one, they target schools above your athletic ability. That's number one. Number two, Contact two fewer schools. Number three, have a false sense of security. Number four, wait until it's too late for something to do. Number five, underestimating your college potential. Number six, expect someone else to get you recruited. Number seven, not understanding the recruiting process or scholarship or financial aid process. Bad grades won't matter. If I'm talented enough and good enough, I'm going to play Division I football. If you're one of the best athletes in the nation, then part of this statement is true. However, grades are more important factor in recruiting process. Grades are a huge part of your financial aid, scholarship package, and athletic uh, retention. Most coaches won't invest their time and money in recruiting athletes who may not even be admitted into their school or is going to fail out or become ac academic ineligible. If you don't have a 3.0 or higher GPA, over 50% of the college programs won't be able to get you in past administration office. Grades are becoming the single most important factor in recruiting. Admissions and administrative offers are putting more pressure on athletic departments to recruit student athletes that will, see, that will succeed once they get into the school. Sure, you may be eligible to be recruited with poor grades, but many schools are not going to recruit you. All NCA Division One and Division Two programs offer athletic scholarship. While the NCAA mandates how many 
a maximum scholarship a school can offer for a particular sport. Division one could only offer 25 scholarships per year. So keep that in mind. It's up to you. It's up to the school whether or not they want to or can offer the maximum number of scholarships. Some schools choose to offer scholarships. Many give out less than the NCAA allows. That's for Division One and Division Two. All colleges offer athletic scholarships. Only 50% of the colleges in every sport actually offer athletic scholarships. NCAA Division One and Division Two schools can offer athletic scholarships and some NAIA schools. NCAA Division Three programs can only offer aid based in financial need and academics. Even schools that do not offer athletic scholarships oftentimes have limited amount of money or scholarships to be divided up among large number of athletes. So keep that in mind. I cannot afford to go to a Division three school because I need athletic scholarship. Many division schools offer alternatives, financial aid programs, and, and you should not overlook any school, even if they do not have an athletic scholarships. Many student athletes go Division three for free because they're good students with family need and use leveraging to get their best deal. If you get a $5,000 athletic scholarship at a 30,000 30, D1 or Division II school, you still owe $25,000 a year to pay. The amount of the scholarship is, is not important. The bottom line price you have to pay is. NCAA Division III schools are weak in athletic. I totally disagree with that. In some cases, yes, but in many cases, no. Many Division three schools have very talented athletic programs that are better than some Division two and even Division one programs. They are still talented and dedicated athletes who want to continue their athletic scholarship, athletic careers in college. If you think you just control onto a Division three program, you're in for a very shocking surprise. If you have not watched a top Division three game and you, and you think this and you think this is way is very easy, you're making a huge mistake. Division one programs have big recruiting budgets. Some of the large schools with top-notch pro football programs do have large recruiting budgets, but most do not. There are very few colleges, coaches that have the ability to fly around the country to recruit athletes they don't know do not know anything about. High school coaches are qualified to determine if I'm a college athletic, a student athlete material or not. While many college coaches, while many coaches are, some are not. Many never played the game of football. Many high school coaches see college coaches out of division one eyes only. The bottom line, there are many factors that determine if you can play in college. If your high school coach may not know that your potential may be what level you can play at. Remember, most college coaches do look at Division One eyes, and there's other alternatives out there for you. College coaches uh, do not like to be contacted by student athletes. Quite opposite. Coaches hope to hear from good athletes who are, have interest in their program. Some blue chipper athletes come to their attention naturally, but often there are not enough for college coaches to feel. Many high school student athletes do not want to make contact with college coaches because they're afraid of college coaches want to hear from them. For small schools, even some smaller Division I FCS schools, they want to hear from you. These schools do not have the budget to fly around the country and look for qualified players. These schools rely on word of mouth recruiting, and they also reply, rely on some potential athletes to contact them by placing a phone call or sending them an email. 
College coaches get to delete my massive email. I guess it really depends on the school. Many college programs make sure somebody takes a look at all incoming profiles and at least they send an email or form letter to the prospect. Still, other college coaches have admitted they delete them. Only look at a few. It's best to follow up with another email with a personal note. Many schools respond. Some will not recruit you because you don't meet their requirements, and that's why you need to target more than just one school. For all you ones that's listening out there tonight, let me give you a little diamond secret. If you have a favorite school that you would like to be contacted by, and you know that it's the level that you can play on, go back to the snail mail and drop them a put it in the mail, not an email, mail it out to them. We have got away from that, and you can be a never know what happened. We need to go back to snail mail. That's the diamond word for the night. Mail it in, not email it in. We're going to take a short break. We got about a half hour left. Um, this is the top of the hour. Thank you for tuning in to the Diamond Show. Recruiting process. We're talking about the recruiting process tonight on the Diamond Show, and we will continue on. <clears throat> Here's a couple more questions in regards to that. Uh, as a recruiter, I frequently get asked in regards to I can walk on at any school of my choice and eventually get a chance to play. Most, most walk-ons end up playing intramural sports. The media glorify walk-ons that make it look easy for some reason, because a few do. Coaches overlook recruits because college coaches competitive. Thousands of each year find themselves getting cut after trials. There are little room, there's little room more than admission tickets to raise the school enrollment. So good grades. I know it may be your favorite school that you loved cheering for when you was coming up. Consideration the walk on route when you can go somewhere and be productive. College coaches only recruit top players. Top players in Division One schools only do. But 
most cases, more than 2,000 colleges, they're still looking for student athletes. College coaches recruit anyone that they think can help their program. Just because you're not a star on your team, you cannot play in college. There are many players that do not excel in high school because there are other talented players at their position or because they're a late bloomer. This end up being successful in college. I made all state, so college coaches will be calling me. Making all state may be too late for all conference or region, may be too late in the season. Remember, these wars are after the season. It's best to be proactive in your recruiting now, uh, at the beginning of the season versus the end of the season. I know a lot of schools out there and a lot of coaches tell you don't worry about recruiting until the end of the year. That is highly risky uh, because most Division One schools will have pretty much their recruiting board done for 2017 when they return in August. Here are some definitions. Walk-on. Walk-on can be very trickly, a uh, very trickly term to understand. Essentially what it means is that an athlete would not receive an scholarship money from the school. Red shirt. Red shirt could be very trickly also. Essentially what it means, it does not mean that you would practice for the full year. It gives you a year to work on your academics to get bigger and stronger. Remember, you have five years to play four, so you need a year to get adjusted to college, year to get bigger and stronger, and they get used to be competitive in football. Now, here's a term that most of you guys have heard, but uh, gray shirt. What does gray shirt? Gray shirt mean is that, oh, we don't have room for you right now. We love you very much, but come here, we'll have a spot for you, or we may have a scholarship for you. So be very careful with that. If you have an opportunity to go play somewhere else, uh, you, you don't have anything that's guaranteed from a university uh, please uh, consider gray shirt as a time saying you want to a spot come open, but if a spot don't come open, uh, you would continue to be a non not on scholarship. Verbal offer and verbal commitment. Verbal offer and verbal commitment. Nothing is binding to the first Wednesday of February. That means that you're going to X Y institution, but nothing is binding into the first Wednesday in February for football. Official visits and unofficial visits. Self-explanatory. Official visit means that the institution is paying for it. Unofficial that you and your mom and dad is getting in the car and driving and you're paying for everything. You allow five official uh, trips for Division One football. NLI or National Letter of Intent is signed in the first Wednesday of February. Um, that's just binding the document that you will be going to that institution a minimum of one year. Contact, evaluation period, dead period. Remember, this is what college coaches to be concerned about, not so much the student athlete. NCAA Eligibility Center is www.ncaeligibilitycenter.org, or you can call them at 877-262-1492. The NAIA initial is website in is www.playnaia.org or you can call them at 816-595-8300. Okay, we're going to open the phone lines. If you have any questions, uh, please give us a call at 347-677-1564. Once again, the lines are open. If you have any questions in regards to the recruiting process, please give us a call at 347-677-1564. If you have a minutes to call in, uh, once again, uh, 347-677-1564 if you have any questions in regards to the recruiting process. I know I covered a lot of information. In an hour, I try to keep it on an hour because I know uh, the information that I'm giving to you, um, it goes by real, real fast. If you're uh, a person that like to see this in person, 
um, hands-on, uh, more a visual person. We will be doing a webinar uh, next month. It would be, I give the exact date. It'll be June 15th. Our website, there will be a link where you can register. We'll be doing a free webinar. That the same information just went over, but you will see it in a more live uh, format. It'll be a webinar. Once again, the number is 347-677-1564. I hope the information I passed on to you tonight um, educates you. Uh, I did a webinar this past weekend, uh, this past week, and one parent told me there was an eye-opener for her in regards to the re recruiting uh, process. Uh, she didn't realize that she was behind. Uh, her son just finished her his sophomore year. So I hope this was an eye-opener to all of you. Remember, it's no more 2.0, no more grade forgiveness. All grades need to be completed uh, prior to your senior year. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at Diamond Interrupt Football Recruiting. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope at D-I-T-R-F-R. Also, please do not forget to download our program on iTunes at Diamond Show. Also, refer the show to a friend or a team or another parent. If you have any general questions or suggestions for show topics, please give us a call at 866-259-8271, extension 11. Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to join us on the Diamond Show. We know that your time is very busy. We appreciate your time. Join us on next Sunday evening at 630. Everyone have a great night. Oh, yeah.